we're going to continue our series, Be the Church. Um, we've heard some great teaching, some great preaching in the last couple of weeks. Um, Pastor John talked about the church being the body. Um, Pastor Ryan preached about the church and God's mission. And so we're going to talk about Be the Church, a family. We're going to talk about what it is to be a family of God, to be the church, that the church is a family. We are family. We are connected. We are connected by Christ Jesus. We are connected by his precious blood. We are connected because we are all followers of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the processes of being uh, a family, part of the family, the evidence of being a part of God's family, and the benefits of being a part of God's family. And we know the church is not a place that you go to, but it's a family that you belong to. And so we all belong together. We're related, brothers and sisters. We might look different. But we all share a commonality, and that is Jesus Christ, Amen. born, crucified, raised again. Amen? Amen. So we share that. So Amen. welcome, brothers and sisters. So we're going to look at um, a couple definitions. Uh, family, the U.S. Bureau, Census Bureau, defines family as at least two people related by birth, marriage, or adoption living in the same household. They also define household as being two people regardless of their relationship living together, okay? So we see how families form. Families form through marriage, through birth, through adoption. Those are family. That is family. And um, we, we praise God that, you know, we, we as Gentiles, we weren't the chosen, but we were adopted into God's family. And in the, in the Roman days, uh, when, when, and, and when they would adopt a child, the, 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 the adoption could never be, or the adopted child could never be disowned. They could disown their own biological children, but they could never disinherit the adopted children. They were theirs forever. So we are God's forever. He will never disown us. He will never disinherit us. We are his. Isn't that wonderful? And we are his. We are God's. And he, he has no respect to persons. We are all the same to him. So we thank God for that. We are part of God's family. So let's look at the process. There, there are different families. There are functional families, which uh, many of us, you know, today might be functional. Um, there are dysfunctional families. Uh, tomorrow on the holiday, we might be dysfunctional. You know, you never know when those relatives show up and, you know, uncle. Well, I got to use somebody else now. I use different aunts and uncles. Uncle, uh, let me just say uncle. Uncle Bobby, I hope nobody in here named Bobby. I hope, I hope you're not an uncle named Bobby. But um, just, for, just for, I'm tired. I can't think of any other names. Uncle Bobby shows up, and Uncle Bobby is, is always causing trouble, right? Uncle Bobby comes with, uh, you know, a brown paper bag. And, you know, Uncle Bobby likes to talk, and Uncle Bobby likes to stir trouble. Well, sometimes families can get a little dysfunction. But that's all right, because it all, it all shape up. It all come together. But we all have it. You know, sometimes we're very functional, sometimes we're very dysfunctional. You know, there's traditional, there are non-traditional families, extended families, foster care. It's all family. And so we are connected some way, somehow, and it is a blessing to be connected with you and to be connected with God. So what is the process of becoming a part of God's family? We're going to look at John chapter 1. And Romans chapter 8. So you can turn to John chapter 1 and then take your finger and get to Romans chapter 8 and put something there. We'll be reading from there. 
John chapter 1, Romans chapter 8. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you today for this opportunity. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is powerful. Your word is what we need today. Your word gives us strength even when we're tired. Your word gives us life when we feel dead. We thank you. Your word is light in darkness. And we just honor you for your word. Bless us to be hearers and doers of your word. We honor you today in Jesus' most precious name. Let us all say amen. 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 All right, the process of becoming a part of God's family. Let's look at chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, but I'm going to start at 11 just because I like to lead into it. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He, be, he, he gave them, he gave us, if we believe and receive, we have the right to become the children of God. This opportunity, this privilege, this honor um, to be children of God. Okay, we have that right. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. This is God's doing. It's not our natural descent. It's not a husband's will that says, honey, you're going to have a child. But it's by being born of God. It's God's divine plan that how we become his process, how we become a child of God by believing and receiving. We know that believing is not enough. We must also receive and we must give our hearts and our lives to God and become followers of God. Because when we are children of God, we then are blessed with the benefits of being God's children. We don't always act right. We don't always get along. Sometimes sometimes we 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 feel as though we deserve certain things that we don't deserve. But we are a part of God's family. He loves us through thick and through thin. No matter what we do, no matter what I do or you do, God is going to love us unconditionally because we are his children. Amen? Amen. And regardless of where you fall in the line, you are his child. I'm the youngest of eight. My mom and dad had eight. I'm the youngest. They said that I'm spoiled. Okay? I, I, I agree. Okay? I'm, I'm spoiled. You know, but being a part of God's family, it doesn't matter because God loves us all the same. All right? He has different plans for each of us, but, you know, sometimes you go through different things in order to get the plans. I don't want to say I want to be like my brother over there or I want to be like my sister over there because I don't know what you went through and what you went through to be where you are. Okay? I don't want to take on things that I don't need to t- unnecessarily. I want to be where God wants me to be. I want to be placed in the family where God wants me to be. I want to receive the things that God has for me in his family, in this family, in our family. All right? I, I, I can look at other people in the family of God and say, oh, they seem spoiled. But again, I don't know what they've been through. I don't know what they've been through. So our process is receiving, believing God, accepting him, 
um, taking your place and, and accepting your place in God's family, receiving his love, receiving his correction, and, and being led by God, which we're going to see in Romans chapter 8, where Paul talks to the church in Rome, and he, and he shows them what it means to be a, a, ch a child of God. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So right there, he's saying to be a child of God, you must be led by the Spirit of God. Don't say you are a child of God and you're not led by the Spirit of God, meaning you're not accepting or receiving anything that God is offering. If you're going to be a child of God, receive the things of God and be led by God. Don't try to be a part of God's family, but listen to somebody else's family. You ever had friends that were over your house more than they were home? Or maybe you were one of them. <laughs> Growing up, I was over other people's house sometimes more than I was at home. And if they say, where do you belong? Who's your mom and your daddy? All right? Be led by the Spirit of God. Let there be some evidence, which we're going to look at pretty soon. Let there be evidence that you belong to the family of God. All right? So you're led by the Spirit. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. The Spirit you receive brought about your adoption. That's a beautiful word. Adoption. That you have been purchase that you have been brought into that might not have been the initial place but you have been brought into and now you are loved and you have the same you are co-heirs you're in the sonship there is no difference you are the same what a blessing we're not Israel I'm not Jewish but I am adopted into God's royal family therefore I am a joint heir with Christ Joint heir with Christ. I've been to Israel, but I wasn't born there. I belong here, but I'm a child of God. So the Spirit itself testifies that God himself testified with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. How do we deserve to share the same thing with Christ? How do we deserve that? Because we are adopted. We're in God's family. We are co-heirs with him. He doesn't see us as any different. We receive. If we suffer with him, we'll get the same rewards. It says here, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So God has no cutoff. He has no respect a person. He says, you are my son. You are my daughters. And I have blessings for you. You will inherit the blessings because you belong to me. That is the process of being a part of God's family, is receiving and accepting what God offers. If whether it's birth or marriage or adoption, we are a part of God's family. What a blessing. What a blessing. So if you're part of God's family, live like it. Let there be evidence that you are part of God's family. So the evidence that we have, we know that Many have uh, last names. That's an evidence that you belong to a certain family. Um, there are family features that you might have that you belong. You know, you got your, you got your daddy's, people tell me, you got your daddy's forehead. Oh, you got your mama's eyes. Oh, you got your, your daddy's smile. There's something that connects me with the family. So as 
followers of God, there ought to be some evidence, some features that connect us with God. We shouldn't say I'm a part of God, but we act like Satan. <laughs> Y'all like I just used a bad word in church. <laughs> huh? You shouldn't say I belong to God, but every time you see you, you're acting a straight out idiot. Yeah, an idiot. Satan is not the family we belong to. We belong to God. And he tells us in, 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 in Galatians, he says that there ought to be some fruit of being a part of God's family. And what does he say there? Um, in, in Galatians 5, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, that we ought to have this evidence. That we know, Jesus said that if you, they'll know you that you're my disciples by your love, right? That you will love one another, that they will know you. Also, we let our light shine so they glorify God who's in heaven. But here, um, Paul writes to the church in Galatia, and he tells them that this is an evidence of your life and your belonging to Christ. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay. Now, we may not always have these fruit going on all the time, like all nine of them. I might, I might not have all nine of them showing at the same time, but there ought to be some kind of feature that I am living out on, on a daily basis that connects me with God's family. There ought to be something that I am presenting to the world that connects me to God's family. A feature, something about my smile, something the way how I forgive people, some way about how I treat people, how I love people, something. I may get upset with people, but I don't hate them. Love. Joy and peace. Forbearance. Long-suffering, gentleness, self-control. Sometimes self-control may be a little weak, but I might be strong in somewhere else that might connect me with God's family. Now, when you're related, you're related. You don't choose your family, right? Hey, God never told us to like everybody, right? You may not like all your family members, but you better certainly love them. God said love them. Get you off the hook. There may be a distant cousin that you just don't like, but you'll love him 1,200 miles away. <laughs> I love you. I'll love you. I'll give you a Colorado love. But just don't show up at family functions. So you, don't, you may not like everybody. God doesn't demand that you like everybody, but he says you better love your family. Love your brothers and love your sisters that unconditionally, if they need you, you're there. If you, are, if you have the ability. All right? But it doesn't mean you got to hang out with them. You got to do this with them. You got to, you know, go to a restaurant and have a, a, a grilled cheese sandwich with them. It doesn't mean that. It means that I'm going to love you. And But when I'm done, when we're done, when I'm done loving you and giving you all of this, listen, I'm going to go my way. You go your way because I just don't like being around you. <laughs> I know it might sound harsh, but it's true. You think Jesus liked all his disciples? He 
He didn't. He loved them. You think he liked Judas? He knew Judas would betray him. He knew Judas would turn him over with a kiss on the cheek. Do you think he liked him? Do you think he was chum chum with Judas? No, he didn't like Judas because of Judas's attitude, his selfishness, his sin. But he loved Judas, even though Judas was not a follower. He physically followed Jesus, but he didn't spiritually follow Jesus. Jesus loved him. You think he liked Peter? Peter talked a lot. <laughs> Aren't there folks that... Talk a lot that you know, and you say, I just, co-workers. <laughs> Always the first one to speak up in a meeting. Always the one to get you more work. <laughs> I don't like him. All right, there are people. Jesus didn't like, didn't like Peter all the time. Peter talked. Peter lied in Jesus' face, talking about I'll be there no matter what happens. Jesus knew. No, you won't. You're going to deny me. He loved Peter, but he didn't like him. You think he liked Thomas, knowing Thomas is going to doubt him, say, listen, unless you show me evidence, I'm not going to believe. Who liked somebody like that? You won't believe for the very word's sake that I, this is what I said? He said, unless I touch the marks and see the prints, and <laughs> I'm not going to believe. I just wouldn't like somebody like that. But Jesus loved him. He loved doubting Thomas. All right? So you don't have to... Always like people, but you better love them. You better love them. That means that I'll pray for them. I'll be there when I can. You know, I'll, I'll do what I can, but when I'm done, we go our separate ways. Okay? So I just probably gave a lot of you a good relief today. Because <laughs> you've probably been repenting for not liking somebody. You don't have to repent. Just make sure that like doesn't lead to hate, that not liking doesn't lead to not loving them. Keep that love fresh. Keep it unconditional, okay? Regardless, you have to, we have to love one another. We are part of God's family, okay? And we have the fruit. Love is the first one that's mentioned. And Paul says to the church in Corinth that love is the greatest of all. So we know that love must be there. Love hides a multitude of sin, Okay? Love, you got to have it, okay? The evidence, let it be evidence. Not just coming to church, not just saying your name is on the roll. You have to have evidence in your walk and in your talk. If you're led by the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit. If you live in the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit, okay? And walking in the Spirit does not mean walking around like you're in la-la land. It means being, being true, being down to earth, but just letting the fruit of the Spirit of God live through you, okay? You don't have to be deep every time you see somebody, you know, and you got to say, ooh, you know, you got to make them feel scary and, and things like that. That's not walking in the Spirit. That's walking in something else, okay? It's not being led by the Spirit. You know, that's, 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 that's too deep. That's even too deep for God, all right? You're so, you know, they say you're so, you're so heavenly, um, what's the saying? Uh, there you go, somebody said it, that you're no earthly good. Yeah, there it is. You know, you're always way up here that you can't, you can't do nothing down here. So we don't want to be that way. All right? So the evidence, live in the evidence. Walk in the Spirit. Let the fruit of the Spirit be evident in your life. Love, be long-suffering, be gentle, and be kind always. Amen? 
So and, and our evidence in our life, our last name, our features, and then our birth certificate, um, which is like baptism. And baptism, we know, does not save us. Baptism only identifies us with Christ. Okay? It's an outward appearance that we belong to Christ. Just like a birth certificate, you can't, we couldn't get a passport without a birth certificate that proves that we were born. All right? That we belong to someone. And so our baptism, we do that so we show the world and show our friends and our families that we belong to Christ because we are a part of this dynamic family of God. All right? So, all right, pastor, that's good. The process, I believe, I receive. I am a follower of God. I have evidence. I'm living it out. The fruit of the Spirit are going forth in my life. And what are the benefits? What are the benefits of Living in God's family, being a part of God's family. What are some benefits? Well, a welcoming church family of God, or a healthy church family of God is number one, is welcoming. Okay? We are very welcoming. Healthy families welcome new members with joyous celebrations. A healthy family doesn't put up walls to keep newcomers out. A healthy family welcomes new members. So when we have new members join the church or join the body, the body of Christ, we ought to have joyous celebrations. All right? We ought to rejoice and be glad, not put up walls and not become clicky and not saying, you know, that just kind of remain in our own little groups and don't pay attention to the new people that are coming in. Listen, when, when my son married my, my um, daughter-in-law, we welcomed her. We celebrated. When they have their baby next uh, in July, we're going to celebrate because it's a new member becoming a part of the family. So when somebody receives Christ and becomes a follower of God, we ought to celebrate and we ought to be joyful that they are now following Jesus Christ. They are now your brother or your sister in the family of God. You have now gained a new family member. Rejoice in that. Have a joyous celebration. I'm not saying have a party, but I'm not, let it be a joyous celebration that's going on on the inside, that you are glad. It doesn't matter where they come from, what their background is, what their color of their skin is, where their economic, what their educational background. It doesn't matter how well they dress, how well they speak, how much money they make. You are a child of God. You are my brother. You are my sister, and I love you, and I rejoice with you. That's a benefit. When you are part of God's family, your family welcomes you. They welcome you. And it's not always easy welcoming family members, is it? No. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not. Here comes David. Lock the door. <laughs> Pull the shades down. Get away from the window. Not always. I wish we, okay, you tell me later. <laughs> I, wish, I wish we could have it when, you know, when someone joins a family that we were always excited to see them. But in God's family, that's the way it should always be. Okay? I know we all have backgrounds. We all probably have skeletons in the closet. Yeah? That we hope no one ever sees or knows about those skeletons. Okay, but if the skeleton if if the skeleton happens to peek out of the out of the closet and, and somebody finds out, then we should not wipe that person off and say, Oh, I always thought there was something about you. No, you pray for them, you love them, you support them, and you welcome them. <laughs> welcome them because they are your family. They belong to God. God is the Father. It says here that we, we cry, Abba Father. And He is our Father. The benefits welcoming 
Another benefit is, is, is loving. We become a part of a loving family. Healthy families don't let, listen to this, okay? All right? right? And just kind of hold your seat on this one. Okay? Don't write me off when I read this. Healthy families don't let dysfunctional members call the shots. I'm out of name, so I'm going to just use me. Here come Uncle David, staggering as always. Uncle David is dysfunctional. Dysfunctional Uncle David can't call the shots. He can't lead the family in a decision-making because Uncle David is, is not thinking right. Uncle David is somewhere else. All right? Dysfunctional. They can't call the shots, okay? They can't. Make the decision. They can't call the shot. But, listen to this. Dysfunctional members are loved and appreciated. Don't you appreciate that, Uncle David? Huh? Yeah, he might be drunk all the time, but when you were growing up, he always gave you a quarter or so when you needed it. All right? He's loved and he's appreciated. He's your mama's brother, and we got to love him because he's a part of the family. He might not get it all right. He might be here and there. He might be up and down. He might be straight and crooked, but he's your family member. Love him and appreciate him. Because you can love Uncle David out of his dysfunction. Remember. He might be dysfunctional today, but tomorrow it might be you. All right? Yours might not be as evident as being drunk, but maybe you have a, maybe you have a, a, a lustful dysfunction. <laughs> this is the truth. See, we always think it's the things that we can see. That the people are worse. But sometimes it's the little secret things that you, that you have, that we have. There's also a dysfunction. They can't call the shots. But they have to be loved and appreciated. Just like you. Just like me. <laughs> Got to be loved and appreciated. It also says, but control freaks... Don't get their way. Gossip is never tolerated, and bullies don't win. Wow. Listen to that. Control freaks. Uh oh. I'm controlling it. Control freaks that got to have everything their way. We call them squeaky wheels. If things don't go my way, then it don't go anyway. Control freaks. You only show up so you can have an opinion. Control freaks don't get their way. Gossip is not tolerated. Stop talking about people just because you don't like them, okay? Stop emptying out your garbage on other people, okay? Gossip will not be tolerated, and bullies... Spiritual bullies pushing everybody around. I've been in the church 50 years, and you've only been here 50 days. I'm more seasoned than you. Stop bullying people because bullies don't win. 
bullies in the church who want to have their way. And if they don't have their way, they start gossiping about people who are functional. who are loving, who are supportive, and who are welcoming. But because you don't like it, you want to put them down. But you won't win. You won't win. Benefits are also being a part of God's family. You're supportive. Healthy families come together when they face challenges. If a church is healthy, it will lead with love and grace not law and punishment. Supportive. If I make a mistake, don't write me off. If I make a mistake, don't put me down. Support me. Not support me in the thing I'm doing wrong, but support me to the point where I can come back from wherever it is that I've fallen. Love me enough so I can not only be forgiven, but I can also forgive myself. Hey, some of the hardest thing is that sometimes it's not God forgiving you. Sometimes it's you forgiving yourself. When you keep bringing it up, you know, God has forgiven you. God has cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. God has, has forgotten all about it. But every time you pray, you keep bringing it up to God. But, Lord, you remember, how can you love me? Remember when I did this? What do you want God to say? You know what? That's right. You did do that. I forgot all about that. But now that you reminded me for the fifth time this week. Forgive yourself. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. You don't belong to a perfect church, okay? Because if you thought you did, as soon as you joined, it would no longer be perfect. (laughs) We make mistakes. We fall short. We do things and say things or think things that we ought not to. It's a part of our dysfunction. But thank God for a functioning grace, for a functioning mercy, for a functioning forgiveness, for a functioning Savior who doesn't just sit at the right hand of God, but he mediates for us. Hallelujah. He tells God, don't hold it against them. Put it on me. He says, God, forgive them. I stand in the gap for them. We serve a functioning Savior who never sleeps or slumber, which we will see in Psalms 121. But we serve a God who daily loads us with benefits. New mercies every day. New mercies I see when I wake up in the morning. It's not an old mercy. It's a new mercy. God never runs out of mercy. His mercy is everlasting. Psalm says, for his mercy is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. He's loving, he's kindness. He is the fruit of the Spirit. And we have that benefit of serving him, a God who looks beyond our faults and he sees our needs, a God who doesn't stop at our faults. He doesn't overlook them, but he looks beyond them. If he overlooked them, he said, ah, you didn't do it. Just sweep it under the rug. But he looks beyond the meaning, you did it, but I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to look at the potential of what you can be. I'm not going to look at what you are right now because you are still a work that's undone. Some of us still have to get back on the wheel. Right? 
Jeremiah and the, the potter and the clay. We have some of them, listen, I've been on the wheel so many times, I'm dizzy. All right? But that's okay because if I, every time I come off the wheel, I'm better and not bitter, that's all right. Listen, he talked about the potter. I know I'm going to another scripture here, but, you know, I just feel led to do it. So, you know, he talks about the potter. He talks about the, uh, the clay being marred. He talks about the, uh, it being marred, but it's marred in the potter's hand. If you're going to be marred, if you're going to be scraped, if you're going to be broken, I'd rather be broken in the potter's hand. Hallelujah. Not broken out there somewhere where people don't love me, where people don't accept me. If I'm going to be marred, let me be marred in God's hand. Let me be marred in the potter where he can love me back together. That's a benefit. That I may have a leak, but he can fix me. Yes. A lot of leaking folks. But God can fix us. Can he? He can fix us. Amen. So Psalm 121, you can go there, but it'll also be on the slide. And we know this verse because we did it every day in Israel. Pastor Mark made us memorize it. What other benefits do we have besides you know, eternal life, that's, that's the ultimate benefit. He daily loads us with benefits. What are some of the benefits? Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, who, the maker of heaven and earth. Now listen, listen to these benefits. He will not let your foot slip. <laughs> benefit. Benefit. He will not let my foot slip? Wow. That's a great benefit, isn't it? He who watches over you will not slumber. Oh, wow, what a benefit that God is always awake. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will never slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Benefit. The sun will not harm you by day. Benefit. Nor the moon by night. Benefit. One of the teens asked me after Saturday service, he said, the sun harm you by day. Does that mean sunburn? I said, no. No, it doesn't mean sunburn. This means that God's watching over you day and night. The sun won't harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. Benefit. This is what we get every day, the benefits of God. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. So when do the benefits of God stop? Never. If I ever leave Door Creek which I get benefits, after 30 days, my benefits will stop. I will not have benefits anymore. In God, the benefits are over, over and over, forever and ever. God watches over us forever. He loves us forever. He keeps the sun from harming us forever and the moon by night forever. We can look to the mountains forever because our help ever comes from the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. The maker of heaven and earth, our help comes from God who never slumbers, who never sleeps. That basically means he never lays down. And when he, if he laid down, he wouldn't go to sleep. He never does that. Now, you got to understand slumbering. Sometimes I lay down in the bed and said, I'm just going to rest my eyes. 
I wake up four hours later. If you slumber, you're going to probably go to sleep. All right? We serve a God who never slumbers or sleeps. He is constantly watching over, even to the point where our foot to slip. He watches over us. Great benefit from God. Great benefit to be in the family of God. Thank you, God, for, making, for having me to be worthy in you to be called your son or for you to be called his daughter, us to be called his children, where he will never disown us. He will never disinherit us. He loved us. He loves us with an unconditional love, a love that never fails, a love that never stops, a love that can look at us and say, I see our ugly ways and say, I'll still love you through all the ugliness. Because one day you'll look better because of God's grace and his mercy. Thank you, God, for being my father. Thank you. Thank you for being my father. Oh, I'm so blessed. We're blessed. And I love all my brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. We might look different. We might talk different. We may sound different. I'm loud. I know that. That's okay. That's me. But you got to love me anyway. You might not like me, but you better love me. I'm animated. I know. I throw my hands in everything. But God loves me for who I am. And God loves you for who you are. Don't change for people. Only change for God. Because if you change for people, they're going to want you to be something else the next day. God, there's no variance in God. Variableness. He is God. So to stay together, we should always pray together. Don't just go to church. Be the church. The church is God's expression of his love. The church is a people, not a building. If you want to be flexible for God and his family, then you must let God stretch you. As I often say, being at Door Creek is a stretch for me and my family. And I only say that because we were accustomed to only one kind of way and But God is stretching you because we said, God, we want to be used by you in any way that you desire. So if you say that to God, look for him to stretch you. All right? Any good athlete knows if you want to be good, you got to have a good stretching regimen. Otherwise, you will be stiff. You'll get pushed over. The devil will push you around. Okay? And if God can't use you, you can't be flexible enough. You might not like the predicament that you're in. You might not be used to the people that you're around. You might be a part of a life group that say, oh, these people are different than me. Okay? But stay there. If God puts you there, stay there because he's stretching you. He's making you become more flexible for him. Okay? You're becoming more flexible. God can use you. He can stretch that leg that way and the other leg that way. And you say, oh, that don't even hurt. (laughs) It used to hurt, but it feels pretty good now. Let God stretch you. A good stretch goes a long way. Church, we go to church, we, we go to grow, okay? We don't go to just socialize. We don't go to see, ooh, what is the preacher going to preach about today? We go to hear from God, not from a man, not from a woman. We come to hear from God. What is God saying to me today? How can I be a better family member? How can I love my brothers and sisters better? How can I love them when I may not even like them? Teach me how to do that, God. Be honest with God. He loves honesty. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Well, today, maybe you're not a part of God's family. Maybe you're here and you, you come to the church, but you haven't given your heart and you haven't received and accepted the Lord's invitation. I want to pray with you today. We pray to receive and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart, however you desire to. But I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you're in that predicament that you, you know who God is, but he doesn't really know who you are. And you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. As our mission says, we want to join God in changing people into devoted followers of Christ who change the world with his love. And our vision is our, by God's grace, we want to be a Christ-centered church family for all people where the power of the gospel continually transforms lives, renews our city, and changes our world. Amen. So let us pray. Dear Lord, forgive me for all my sins. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for my sins. He rose for my life. Today, by grace, through faith, I receive you as my Savior. I am a follower of Christ, and I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen.